So, guys, um, thankfully enough, Luke Johnson was nice enough to re-record this episode because we've already done it. But um, he asked me if I wanted to do it again because the audio was... I'm not sure if anyone's ever listened to a podcast when the um, host hasn't had headphones in. Bit of bad planning for me there. But, um, yeah, he's nice enough to let us record it again. So the audio is going to be a little bit better today. But um, for those of you that don't know who Luke Johnson is, basically the founder of a company called Shredded by Science which is um, basically a personal training education system. They do coaching, they host seminars, and basically just like the leading um, evidence-based practitioners in the industry, very uh, sort of alongside the, the likes of 3DMJ and people of that nature. So, um, Luke, if you just want to sort of talk about how Shredded by Science started and sort of your journey into like the fitness industry and how you scaled it to, from when you started up until the sort of level it's at now. Yeah, cool. Uh, cheers, Jack for the intro and kind words um so it started when i was probably i was always into sport and i knew i didn't want to just have like a normal job all my mates were working in like clothes shops and retail thinking back at it now i wish i actually went down that route and got a job in like top shop um that could have been a that's probably like your ideal job in it as like a young lad 16 to 18 years of age working in a female shop in retail at the time, I didn't think of it from that perspective. I was probably, I was probably too interested in sport and, and playing like basketball and karate and stuff like that. So I ended up um, doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger. And do you know when your parents stand up your parents like this, Jack, or or any sort of older siblings and stuff like that? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do. Um, and I, I was always into sport and very competitive from a young age. So. Um, I was actually going, started going to the gym probably. I must must have like poodled around in the gym when you was like 16. So I remember back in them days, it was like, you can't lift weights before you're like 16 years of age. Like it was a no-no, it's going to stunt your growth and you're going to be like, and at that time, Jack, at 14, I was only five foot three. So I was like, well, you've got to listen to this. Like I ain't got inches to give away here. Now I'm six foot one, nearly six foot two. Um, but yeah, so it's fine right now. Should have. It, I did listen to them though, so technically they were correct. <laughs> N equals one. Um, but yeah, I ended up getting going to university, doing a sports science degree, and then I done a two week level two fitness qualification, and that was basically the girlfriend at the time. Mum used to go to the gym. I said, oh, what what qualification do I need to be able to work into a gym? Because when I started A level started getting into more anatomy and physiology and then obviously university, the, the sort of the anatomy and physiology and how the human body worked really fascinated me. Uh, it doesn't now. Um, <laughs> so um, done a two-week course, ended up working at Bannatine's gym one day a week on a Saturday, 9.30, 9 to 6.30 it was. And then from there, completed my degree, ended up doing a level three PT distance learning qualification with Lifetime Health and Fitness. Once I got that, started doing personal training, um, and then really realized that it wasn't really for me. I didn't enjoy having my time dictated by other people. So then I got into teaching and then I went full circle, done that for five years, teaching level two, level three, uh, fitness qualifications, personal trainer qualifications. And then all of a sudden I was like, let me, um, let me try and put my teaching experience with my evidence-based experience. And, Jack, like if you see some of my tweets and I've done a video on YouTube conventional nonsense, they they were they were tame, mate. Tom Tom could have absolutely ruined me, but he didn't. He, they were they were bro beyond belief. 
Um, so I didn't start off that way. And I think because of like the fitness industry and, and the bros really tend to be good at marketing, whenever you're typing stuff in on the internet, which most younger, like 16 to 18 year olds are going to be doing, those which get ranked highest on YouTube and those which get ranked highest on Google tend to maybe not be the most evidence-based uh, individuals. Uh, and you end up just being young and going, oh, such and such says that. He's got bigger biceps than that guy. So he must know what he's doing. So then it was just a case of doing personal training on the side, teaching, and then obviously coming up with doing my online coaching. So I started online coaching Luke Johnson PT. Then I realized that for that to scale, I needed to create a, a company name, which wasn't my own personal brand, my own personal name, hence Shredded by Science. Um, keeping it short and sweet, started getting Eric Helms over, Alan Aragon, some of the best sort of evidence-based science people from the States to come over to the UK, made more money in one weekend from Alan Aragon conference than pretty much, it was about 80, 85% of my annual salary for teaching at the time. And then went, fuck it, let's go. Let's uh, get coaches on. It went from three of us to six of us to 12 of us. And then we changed business models. And we might touch base on that. I know you've got, I know we've sort of gone through the podcast already. So it's trying to remember what we spoke about. And I know you said you've got a few different questions as well. So if there's anything you want me to expand on top of that, let me know. Get into that in a minute. But um, one thing that sort of interested me is that sort of route that you went down with the sports science degree. Now, mm. um, would you say, like, say if there's someone younger, say if like, there's any 16-year-olds listening and they're sort of choosing what A-levels to do and or they're choosing what uni to go to, would you recommend going down that sort of more, um, like, in terms of, like, that schooling route and actually going for the degree? Because obviously I haven't got a degree myself, but um, like some of my friends are at a uni at the minute. But in mm. terms of, like, some of the stuff I hear them say, um, I, I feel personally that like you can still learn the same sort of amount from just doing your own research, if not more, just obviously based on like the treatment stuff that you have at uni, like how useful would you say that degree route is? Yeah, I mean, if it, a degree now is a different to where it was before, like now it's a massive financial investment. When my fees back at the time, it was like 1,400 quid a year for fees. Now they're, some of them are like 10,000 on. So um, everything moves with the times. And I think if you know, Obviously, those listening to this podcast are probably into fitness, but they may not be. If you need, if you are adamant that you really want to be an architect, then you probably have to do a degree. If you really want to be a doctor, you're probably going to have to go down the traditional routes of education. You could also look at it at this point of view, if you're 18 years of age, and I, I think from the education system now, you have to stay in school until you're 18, not 16 when you used to be 16 before. Um, if you have maybe, if you just want uni life and you want to actually spend two, three years of doing experience university life and you have the funds available where you're not going to get into debt or you look at it as I'm going to university to get a degree, but at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper. So it's a level three, uh, PT qualification. But if you want to go for the experience, then go for the experience. But know that you just because you have a piece of paper doesn't mean you're going to get a job. Like it's harder and harder to get jobs now. If you are looking to be a personal trainer, then I'd say don't get a degree because you don't need it. Like if the profession you want to get into and the role you want to have or the company you want to build requires you to have a traditional degree, then probably pursue it. If it doesn't, 
I like I've done my sports science degree, but I still had to spend seven hundred quid to do a level two two week intensive at the time qualification. Then I still had to spend. I think I remember I couldn't even get a credit card, so I had to get a joint credit card with my mum. I mean, it was like uh, nine months interest free or whatever it was to actually pay for my level three personal trainer qualification because I'd done a sports science degree, but then I that that meant jack shit at the time when you're going for jobs as a personal trainer in a the gym. They're like, have you got level three reps recognized qualification? So I still had to do one. I still had to spend, I think I spent a good couple of grand on that. And I, I, I self funded it with, I think I had to get a credit card and, and just pay it off as quick as possible so i don't think there's stuff like obviously we've got like the shredded by science academy now there's other academies out there you've got websites like udemy coursera um creative live and and they're sort of that's the way education's going it's gonna it's a lot more online and i think it, education and i've had ideas and stuff like this it might be something i presume when i want to eventually branch outside the fitness industry if it's not done already i'm not going to lose sleep over it but having something where it's like a, a Udemy where you can actually go uh, learn from a sort of specialist in that area. So not like a, a, a lecturer, but someone who's actually been there, done that. So say, say for example, you wanted to get into videography. You could have like Casey Neistat do an online course and he teaches you how he speci- uh, specifically vlogs. Like it's very specific. Like videography, there's a lot of different subcategories of that. But if you really wanted to learn how to vlog, and Casey Neistat had a vlogging qualification or like a, a course online. And then once you completed that, you then had like a Facebook ecosystem where you could actually up, say that you've achieved that because it's linked up with that website. So it's like an all-in-one thing where you gain the relevant qualifications uh, and skills you need. And then you can actually have your own portfolio where you can upload it. And then for people who want to actually hire a young videographer, they can then go onto the same website and hire you on that website to use your skills. So I think that's the way education's going. And um, if you know you don't need a degree, then go down routes where you're going to get the best relevant uh, information and, and build your knowledge in a way which isn't going to put you into like 20, 30 K's worth of debt. Yeah. And the thing is as well, like since I've, I've been doing PT since like straight, as soon as I left school, so I've been doing it for like four years now. But mm. it's, um, I, I felt that a lot of, people sort of get obviously i know science and evidence is important but mm-hmm. whether you're a good pt like in terms of your knowledge or not like there's nothing that's going to beat that infield experience and obviously mm-hmm. when you get that and then you start to develop your knowledge and stuff that's when you become better and better at your craft and that's what i've found has helped with clients a lot like where i've done it from such a young age when i was 16 and it's like now nah, i don't feel like a like a newbie or now nah, i feel obviously i value my service a lot so i'm a lot more confident like approaching clients when it comes to closing and things like that and I just feel like if your route is to actually go down personal training, I think that there's no better way than to do it than to just start it as soon as you can. Yeah, because you can speed up the learning process. Like you could say, I'm not going to watch any TV. I'm not going to play any Call of Duty on PlayStation. I'm going to, I'm going to rather than binge watch Netflix, I'm going to binge watch or learn doing a course or read five books a week or whatever it is. That you can shortcut. What you can't shortcut is the actual input as you said that in-person experience where you can learn this and you can do that course and you can do that course when you're five years of age if you wanted to if you've got the intellect to do so but what you can't do is you can't you can't rush experience like a day is 24 hours a week is seven days there's 365 days in a year and by you doing it you doing it from 16 and having four years of experience 
is the same as someone doing it at 20 and getting four years experience. The only difference is they're four years older, but they haven't got that. So again, it's looking at the sort of the field you want to get into and like both is important and it's important to get, have the sort of the foundational knowledge, but then nothing beats actually getting in the trenches and actually training different types of people. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how smart you are or how academic you are. Most of the academics, when we're looking at the science world, and that's why there's a big divide. You've got the complete bros who's like from, they've got a shit ton of experience. Yeah. And they're like, this works because I've been doing it for 10 years. Now, then you've got the science geek going, well, we've done a controlled uh, study on trained individuals. And when they say trained individuals, they've lifted weights like a few times in their life. They're not trained as in the sense of a bodybuilder. And from a scientific background, again, when you look at research, it's only analyzing that specific group of people for that specific ver like variables that you're trying to control for that specific period of time, which is normally eight to 12 weeks, maybe slightly longer. But most of the studies in that, which are done, are done on college students and they have semesters and they have times when they're there and they have times when they're not there so there's always going to be limitations we're, we're only going to get like a snapshot of what it is and it's being able to take the exper experience and, and being open-minded to what the science is saying and, and trying to do things optimally for that individual, individual. Yeah. Um, so yeah yeah definitely but like, you could sort of flip that on on his head as well and say like i've come across like some trainers that might have like up to 20 years experience but then when you actually hear what they're saying it's like you can have experience which is obviously going to help but then also making sure that you're getting good experience if that makes sense yeah, yeah practice, practice makes permanent, permanent. It doesn't, doesn't make perfect. perfect yeah exactly so if you, put, if you, if you just, just keep, keep doing the same shit over and over again and it's wrong then you're just going to get you, and the thing is when people a bit it, it's a weird one because when you get like the young whippersnappers they're like really eager and ready to go and they're learning 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 and then you've got those which have been doing it for 20 years and because even just from uh, an age perspective, when you're 40 years of age, learning is, if you haven't been to, if you haven't had any educational sort of being, been at school or college or university, they might, the last time they actually was in a, a setting to learn was 20 plus years ago. So just that mindset, even from the Shredded by Science Academy, you'll find some of those which are older now. Um, we we have people who are trainers, new trainers, or, or just fitness enthusiasts who just want to learn or, or maybe become a trainer. And we've got those which have been have got their own facilities, who've got multiple facilities, who've been training for for years, but they want to join the academy because it's fresh, it's new, it's relevant. They know that they're not going to be taught the same shit that's taught on all the typical level three national government recognised qualifications. And what they find is when they take their exam, it's not because they've um they don't have the knowledge as such but it's a whole shock to the system because they haven't been in that that setting of learning and actually sitting exam they haven't sat an exam for 20 plus years yeah and obviously things can advance a lot in 20 years as well so that's why i'm well obviously just in in terms of like being a professional mm -hmm. i think cpd is just critical no matter what you're doing whether you're whether you're someone who's got like a trade in terms of like a physical trade to like on site or something like that in terms of like bettering your skills you always want to sort of develop and never just approach things with a closed mind yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean some, some jo uh, jobs and rob uh, job roles will require those let's just say those which are more practical you're probably going to get learn better and improve quicker by just doing stuff those which are less practical um, you can learn things from books and stuff like that, but everyone learns differently. 
like you you have the VAK, so some learners are visual, some are like auditory, so like look at like listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And some are kinesthetic learners will actually learn by doing. I know I'm I'm a mixture of both, and it's not saying I, I'm one or I'm the other, but you're probably you'll hear it all the time, and you may learn best from just reading books, and I may learn best from not reading books, but actually doing stuff. So it's ha- it's having that knowing how um, what's going to be best. And what's going to be best for CPD? So when 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 Jack used the term CPD, that's continuing professional development. In America, they use CEUs in the fitness industry, which is continuing educational units, I think it is. Um, and what you've got to look at is when you're young, you've got the option. You could either go, right, I'm going to learn marketing and I'm going to go f- like forget training and nutrition and, and sort of the foundational stuff you need to be good at your job. Like you don't need to be great at facebook ads to be a good personal trainer but once you have the good foundations that are in place and you you've done all the cpd for training nutrition the coaching side of things then keep doing the same type of cpd you're just going to get the same results or you you might improve by like a, a fraction like a small percentage yeah and then you need to that's what i like when I was a bro, and then I realized I was a bro because you don't realize you're a bro at the time. I in like I engrossed myself with the likes of Alan Aragon. I read, I signed up to his research review. I read all of them. I printed all of them off when I was at Lewisham College. Sorry, Lewisham College, but the amount of paper and ink I must have used to print them all off. I highlighted them all. I read all of Lyle McDonald's stuff at the time, Lane Norton stuff, and everything I dedicated my time and energy to was training, nutrition and that side of things. And then I realized me just doing more and more for what I wanted to do. Like if I just wanted to stay as a trainer still, then crack on. But a trainer is not just training nutrition. It's the whole sort of the art of communication, the ability to have systems and processes and and the sales and the marketing and encompassing that all together. So I learned, when, when I started Shredded by Science and I was no longer just me coaching people, I needed to spend all of my time, energy and effort. And what, what I did, Jack, was I was just like, okay, fuck training, fuck nutrition. I'm not going to be reading that stuff anymore. I'm going to be buying books on marketing, on sales, or I'm going to sign up to this course, to that course. And most of it, the same as like the fitness industry, is, is probably even more prevalent um, prevalent in um, the marketing world where there's some people which have been doing it for years and they're still teaching you the marketing and sales techniques which worked when there wasn't the internet. Well, there is the internet now and there is social media now. So it's being able to, again, distill the information and go, which one is bro marketing and which is actually principles. And when you've spent enough time reading books and going through courses, there's going to be common themes that are highlighted and there's going to be stuff that you need to take individually for your for your industry and for the people you're targeting and saying, how can I adapt that? What stuff is relevant? What stuff is outdated? And what stuff will work for the type of people that I'm trying to attract? So going off the back of that, like in terms of like marketing, say if you're, because um, they're not too different in terms of online coaching and personal training, I feel like the systems and stuff that you put in place are very similar. But in <laughs> terms of like marketing your, your services on, on Facebook and Instagram, like is there any sort of strategies that you sort of favor other than others like in terms of facebook ads are you, like are you thinking that facebook ads 
like, is, a, is a good thing to go down as, as obviously as well as like just documenting content consistently mm. but in terms of yeah. like, paid advertisements what sort of route do you mm-hmm. so i think a good rule of thumb is if you make most of your money from offline business as in face-to-face pt then spend more of your effort and it or more of your resources so time and energy and money on offline marketing strategies if you have if you make your money online where, where i do i don't train anyone then spend most of your time using online marketing but it's not to say i'm 100 percent an offline marketer or 100 percent online marketer for me when I go and do when I when I do seminars or I speak at events like uh, Body Power and stuff like that, that's offline marketing. I can do more offline marketing. Like I went over to Dublin a few years back and I done a, a, a one day sem- seminar there. What I will say is the pros and cons for everything. When you do offline marketing, so let's let's give a few examples. Let's say you're a your PT in the gym, you're up to like twenty sessions a week. And you're like, actually, I want to do some online coaching. And you're right in regards to saying that there's not much difference. The only difference I like by definition of online versus offline uh, PT is they still get the same training plan. They still get the same support. They still get the same check-ins. They still have access to your email. The only thing different is whether you actually see them at a specific place at a specific time. And that, that's the only difference in my opinion. Everyone else, so it's not like you can only afford to train with me once a week, so therefore I don't give a crap about what you actually need. If they need to train four times a week to achieve their goal, then you see them once a week, but you program for them for the other three sessions per week. So it should, they, should, they should be the same, uh, just that one small variable difference. Um, with facebook and stuff like that, paying ads now when you're on the gym floor i can go and talk to a certain certain type of person like you can have multiple i believe you can have multiple avatars and when i was doing it my offline avatar and when i say avatars like your target audience were females between 30 to 45 years of age who were professionals that that was it they all they, they turned up to uh, my boot camp class, they were the ones that I trained one-to-one when I was training a few people. Those were the ones that I actually enjoyed enjoyed training. And I think it depends on your location. So like when you're in central London, which you are, you will get more males, which uh, like guys who maybe own a company or are quite high up and they're getting paid 100, 200K a year. And they want a trainer. But some people want trainers for status. Some people want trainers so they can actually get away from their stressful job. And then some people want trainers because they have massive goals or they want to lose a ton of weight. So everyone has a personal trainer for different reasons. But Jack, you can go on the, the gym floor and you can speak to Tony who's 55 years of age who's rolling up in a Rolls. And you can speak about cars and Rolls Royces and whatever if that's, your, if that's your gig. But then you can go and talk to a younger lad on the gym floor and you could be talking about girls, IB fun, lads holidays. You can't do that online. You can't one minute be putting out an Instagram post targeting Tony who's got a Rolls and then uh, Ali who's got like three birds on the go. Like It's hard to, when you have offline marketing, it enables you to vary your approach. When you're posting on Instagram, if you start posting stuff that's relevant to one avatar one day and then it's not relevant the next day and then it changes continuously you will never grow a following because it's, you're not consistent with that it's like you going up to 
Tony Rolls Royce and you're talking about his roles, and then the next day you're talking about young birds and he might actually like that. So it's not a good example. But then you're talking about stuff where like he's just it's not that it's not Tony's gig. Do you know what I mean? He, he's been there, done that. He don't give a crap about dance music or this or that. He actually finds young people annoying now because when he looks back, he he remembers when he was that age. And it's the same as if you're doing it on Instagram. So you, you, when you're looking at online marketing, you need to have a very specific avatar. And you need to provide specific, constant value just to that target audience and no one else. So you, you have to market like a magnet online. Appeal to those you want to appeal to and repel those you don't want to work with. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of like, say if someone does both. So say if um, a trainer has online clients and... Mm-hmm. Um, in-person clients as well in terms of like the the ratio between staying obviously consistent to that person but would you ever feel like that, that it's necessary to run like facebook ads because obviously you can target like people who who work in certain demographics and stuff like that or live in certain demographics and um to say obviously i work in founding there who would you would you feel that there'd be value in terms of like running ads and targeting people in founding or would you or would you think that you should just keep online online no, I think you should mix both because let's let's say you now you've got two fishing rods or you've got one fishing rod. But at the end of the day, if you try and use your Facebook page where you're topless and you're putting out content for young lads and then you're using that exact page to run your ad through, that 55-year-old female who's like clicks on your page, they're going to see you joking around with your lads putting out content for the lads and she ain't going to sign up. So my, my thing there is there's nothing stopping you from like, maybe you just have to have fucking two Facebook pages and one of them you don't really, the thing is what, and it's going back to the offline thing. I like to, I don't think there's any reason, like you don't need to do Facebook ads or you don't need to post on social media to get in-person clients. You don't need to do that. However, it can help you get more clients. And what I like to do, and what advice I would give would be um, I like to have now with a Facebook page, you can set up a Facebook page and it could just be like personal trainer Farrington or whatever it is. I probably wouldn't put that the title in the name as such because you may move. So it restricts you. But then what I like to do is I, I would like to go on the gym floor, start speaking to people, do some offline market and say, oh, I've got a Facebook group. And each day I upload a new exercise of the day and you also get this free guide here. If you're interested, just go onto my website or just type this in on Facebook and ask to join the group. Or you send it to them or you capture their email and you send it to them. So what I like to do then is have like a a Facebook group because everyone gets notified. You can run polls and then what you can do then is you can see them on the gym floor. Maybe you might see them three times a week. And then what you can do is when you've got them, you so let's say they go to the gym three times a week, you've got to then rely on you being in that gym three times that they're there. And then when you are there, you're not going to be spending an hour of your time with them if they're not a client. We're talking about just members and you're trying to convert them to clients. So if you ha- if you take classes at your gym, then at the end of the class, you can say, well, here's some recipes, here's some stuff. Or go onto the Facebook group. Um, here it is. And then what you can do is you can be on their mind 24-7 because you see them on the gym floor. Let's just say you do this and another trainer doesn't do this. You see them on the gym floor. 
but then you're constantly providing value to them in the Facebook group. You're doing live streams, you're putting up relevant content, you're giving them the opportunity to ask you questions. So when they've left the gym and then the, that, that later on in that day, you post something up, which is of value to them. You've hit them twice in that day. You've given yourself two opportunities to provide two lots of value to that individual. You're going to, so when they are looking for a person trained on the gym floor, who are they going to go to? The guy who never speaks to them, but says on his gym profile board that he specializes in absolutely everything. Or are they going to go with you, Jack, because you spoke to them on the gym floor and you also speak to them and communicate with them in your Facebook group or on your Facebook page. So you're using two. Now, it's like having a jab. Like you've tied your arm behind your back and all you've got is a jab. Now, once you've got the offline aspect and the online aspect, you've got two fists now. You've got to, you've got a fighting chance of, of getting those clients. And when you're working in central London, I don't know how many other personal trainers you've got in your gym, but some of them are like 15, 20 plus other trainers on, on the gym floor. So if you're only doing Facebook or if you're only doing offline gym floor strategies, you're, you're limiting your capabilities of, of getting clients to sign up. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, like you said, now, nowadays, my gym um, is it's pretty much the same as Gymbox, so I own by the same company, but mm-hmm. um, there's not as many trainers, but I know a lot of fitness first and stuff and, and gym boxes. So if, if guys are in London listening to this or in England, like it, it can get super saturated. Like I know Gymbox founder now has nearly like 50 trainers in one gym. So mm-hmm. in terms of like giving yourself that edge, um, like it, it, I think it's so important to cover every every avenue because obviously, like you said, if you're not giving no one any sort of value at all for free, um, and then when, when it comes to actually converting them, they're not going to feel sort of enticed or they, they don't necessarily feel in debt to you, so they're not going to um, be le- less likely to to book you in terms of even even if you convert them to an online client or an offline client. Um, if you if you're giving them value first and you're sort of on their mind a lot more than the other guys are, of course you're going to have the edge over them. So I think yeah. that's super important. A good analogy. Look at Love Island. Yeah, I went there. They're they're in the same house in the same place, sharing the same bed, and they're constantly around each other the whole time. And how quickly do they fall in love just to get the money? But then that that's the same analogy of you being on their mind twenty four seven. It's giving you the shorter lifespan to get them to sign up. However, look at Love Island. If they said, right, Love Island, and then you actually only see each other once a week, and then you go and stay in separate houses, like that that wouldn't make for good TV, and it doesn't it, – everyone has different barriers to, to entry, and it might be that some people sign up just from seeing your gym profile board, or it might be that someone only signs – and we get this with the academy. Some people – we actually survey them. Some people sign up within – we had about – 60% of the signups for the last intake had only been following us for less than six months. And the reason why we convert high is, is because we have a podcast, we have a YouTube channel, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have Snapchat. So we have multiple ways to provide value to people in a quicker rate. And because we are on multiple platforms and we are using multiple different tactics and, and media outlets, it enables us to get people to sign up within six months and part with over a grand's worth of money. Um, another thing I wanted to point on with most trainers are shit at Facebook ads, so don't fucking do them. Like, don't like all Facebook, all paid advertising does is get eyes or ears onto your content, and all you're doing then is so you need to first and foremost make sure that the content you're putting out is actually interesting, is actually valuable, and is and for that to happen, 
you're, if you started posting stuff about hair extensions and you was targeting me, even if you've done the best, amazing promo video and special effects and stuff like that, if you target the wrong audience, it's going to be a waste of money. It's going to be a waste of time because I'm going to look at it and I'll be like, why the fuck is my seeing Facebook ads about hair extensions? Like that's, that's bad. So you need to make sure you've got your target targeting right first, but you need to make sure that the content you are providing is relevant, relevancy, relevancy, relevancy. And if it's not relevant, all you're basically doing is paying money for people to realize how shit your content is. So you're fucking yourself twice financially and long-term in regards to getting people to actually sign up with you. Cool. So um, next question is basically just about, it's more about like your mindset in terms of like getting shit done to actually grow your business. Cause obviously I see, especially like with this sort of like these, these younger guys that are coming up that have got like mm-hmm. an entrepreneur in their bio and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, how, what, what sort of stuff was you doing um, to, to sort of grow shredded by science? Because obviously I know so many people have got big goals when, when they're talking, but when it actually comes to putting in work behind the scenes and like that sort of like lifestyle of, obviously I, I don't like to use the word entrepreneur, but because it's, mm. it's so saturated now and everyone's throwing it about. But um, if you could like, sort of give some tips f- to people in terms of being more productive and what sort of like, strategies you've used to just start getting shit, getting stuff done, getting shit done in terms of like growing your business. Yeah, talk is cheap, motherfucker. Just like, just like <laughs> anyone who has money, who hasn't been given it to buy like mummy or daddy, like they've not inherited it. You don't just get anything for doing fuck all. Like the amount of money you make will be predicated on the amount of people you actually affect. So if you only train two people in your gym and you want six figures, you're a dickhead. It's not going to equate to that. So when it, when it comes to having a scalable business and making money and making millions, a good rule of thumb is if you want to earn a million, impact a million lives. You don't technically need to impact a million lives. If you're, I mean, if you had, if you wanted to make a million, you could either go two different options. You could go, right, I'm going to sell an app or I'm going to sell something for one pound and I'll need a million people to buy it. There you're looking for scale. But then you could go down the magnitude route and you could go, right, I'm going to charge a hundred grand and I only need 10 of them to make a meal. But in regards to product, like if you need, like it's a weird one, Jack, because I have times where I can't be bothered to do fuck all. So I mean, every, so I think you've got to accept that. I think not every, you, you're not going to be like Gary V and constantly on it. Like everyone's different. I'm not Gary V. He's a fucking special person. Like he's on it the whole time, but then there'd be times when he's not on it. So I think, if you need someone to give you advice on how to fucking be productive, you've lost already. Like you've got to want it. It's like it's like a, it's like you as a trainer and you take on a client, and they're like, "Oh, tell me how to. I can stick to my diet. Or tell me how to do. Like I can't make the food for you. Well, I could make the food for you. I can't eat the food. I can't stop you eating the food. I can't actually lift the weights for you. You need to do it for yourself. Nah, I just I'm I'm. I am nothing special, but I am special. And I think I put an Instagram post up on this. Like, I'm, I'm nothing special. As in, I've not got any special, like, background. I've not been given anything. I've not been, I've not had a hard life where I've had to grind to even just get by. Like, my life has been easy up to this point. But then, 
I don't think I do a lot. But then when I compare it to most people, I do quite a lot. So you just have to put the work in and like, as I said, like action, action, action. You need to just do stuff and you need to know where your strengths are, know where your weaknesses are. Know if you follow, following your passion can be really good advice and really shit advice. And what I mean by that is if my passion was something that there wasn't a massive need for people and there wasn't a massive market for it, then if I dropped my job and getting paid 30 grand a year to follow my passion and there wasn't an actual need for it and a way to monetize, there's always a way to monetize it, but you can monetize anything. But if your passion is to help all local bodybuilders who live within a one mile radius, it's not going to be, and you, you're not going to make millions. Like it's not going to happen. But if you are shit at your passion as well, then that's also dangerous advice. Because guess what? I'm really passionate about Call of Duty and gaming. But I'm never going to be good enough to actually earn millions from gaming. So if I listen to someone going, follow your advice, Luke. Be a gamer. Do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And I start doing it. I'm going to get better at it, but I'm never going to be the best gamer in the world. It's saying like, you really like basketball. You're really, you're really passionate about football. But guess what? You're shit at football. So it's bad advice. So the, the good thing is, if you are good at your passion and there is an actual market need, as in you can make money from it, then it doesn't feel like a job. Like when people used to say, what do you do? What's your job? I said, I don't know. I'm, I said, I used to say I'm unemployed. And they'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just sit on my ass all day and I get paid. Simple as that. Because when 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 you have passion and if you, you know, if you're doing something you don't enjoy and you're just doing it for a paycheck, you, it, that shit gets boring real quickly and you can fall out of love real quickly for it. But when you've actually got a bigger mission, that's what I'd say. It's like, have a mission. And if you're young, think, fuck it. Like, if you're an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old now, ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen if I try and be that gamer? And it doesn't work in two, three years. Oh, nothing. I've just spent two to three years of pursuing something. But, so when you're young, just be like, fuck it, go YOLO. But then still be self-aware. Like, you'll know if you're good or not over something. Because you can ask people close around you. It's like those which go on X Factor and they can't sing for shit. But their family and friends are like, oh, you've got an amazing voice. It's like every parent who thinks their child's good looking when in actual fact their child's quite ugly. Do you know what I mean? You're blinded. So it's being honest with yourself and having close people by you to be honest with you. But then you just got to do shit. Do you know what I mean? You've got the amount of, amount of videos I've looked at how to do a website and how to do this and how to do that because you don't have the money. When you're starting off, you won't have the money to, to hire people. You won't have the money to get a spanking beautiful new website. But what you will have is time and you can make time. There's no, like, I'm no different to you. We both had 24 hours in a day. It's what I do within those 24 hours that, that yeah, is, am I watching Netflix or am I doing something? And there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix. Like, if you go on my PlayStation, you see how many days, actual days. I'm on about five days of Call of Duty World War Two. But then I'm not complaining either, Jack. Do you know what I mean? I'm not complaining. I'm in a position where I've got people who work for the company who are doing the day-to-day -day stuff. And I'm thinking bigger picture. So know that it's when it, it's okay to not be 100% motivated the whole time, but you've got to do something. And 
if you need someone if you need a youtube video to get you up and going then you probably haven't got it in you in the first place so have a big mission be ambitious have i read a book it's called a big hairy audacious goal where it's like it might seem too good to be true but if you don't have something bigger if you don't have you need to have a big why so you, if your why is just to buy a lambo then that's fine that's you if your why is to earn enough money so your parents don't have to work and you can pay their mortgage off that's my one then um when you've got the motivate when you've got the when it's an intrinsic motivation and it's not selfish and it comes from a good place i think it's always always the the way to go for long term i don't chase money i chase how many people can i impact how many people can we get to watch our content on instagram how many people can i speak to in person they're the things how many people just like this podcast like you you ain't gonna get a shit ton of viewers and that's just like at this stage like you know that the more consistent you are with this like you've got to be in it to win it so if you if you're not in it you can't win it so the more times you post a podcast the more times you speak to people on the gym floor, the more times you actually help people in this world, the more the likelihood of you actually um, making more of a success or making the money you want to make are gonna gonna be more probable by doing something than they would be if you just waited for things to happen. Well, it's just like another thing that I'd, I'd suggest as well, like something I've really tried to do, um, like in terms of like going into this new gym and stuff, is just being a lot more ruthless for my time. So I feel like a lot of people can actually waste so much time in terms of like consuming more like in terms of social media than yeah. like creating stuff. And obviously if, if you're a content creator or like in terms of creating content is required like for your online business, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like just, just not wasting it, like every second is sort of precious. And then you can actually afford to have time where like in your case, if you want to smash out Call of Duty, smash out Call of Duty. I know, mm-hmm. I know I do. But then when I'm actually working, I'm not just like fucking about actually i'm focused in and i'm trying to do as obviously as much stuff and being as productive as i can mm. the the best thing is when people are like oh you don't have to work hard you can just work smarter i'm like you can like working hard and being done with the shit you're doing which ain't going to give you a return on investment is 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 bad but if the best option is work hard and work smart like it's not one or the other so when people be like and you get the question it's like should I do a podcast or should I run a seminar? Do both. That's going to give you the best results if you can. But if you have to pick one, sit down and think about what's going to give you. I, I, I never have. It's a weird one because I, I still don't know whether I work well with like goals, specific goals, or whether I work better with just a, an overall mission. So I don't know because I, I thought the, the thing is, if you sit down and you write out, this is what I want to achieve this month. This is what I want to achieve in three months, in nine months, in 12 months, in three years, in five years. What you're basically doing is you're setting out a path and there's no flexibility. So what I think you should do is have an overall mission. And the way you get there, when you come up with all these ideas, is to be honest with yourself and say, will that help me get closer to the overall mission? And if it does, will it help me get there quicker than doing, will A, doing activity A or running this revenue stream A, will that get me, how much time and money do I need to invest in that? And what's the likelihood of the return on investment compared to 
what option B is going to be. And you can get to like millionaires make their millions in many different ways, in many different industries. But there's some common things that happen. They're always putting the work in and it's always having something that people need. And because they need it, they pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I never like really, I'll give you like one book and it's got a terrible, terrible title, but it's The Principles. It's uh, The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. And I only read it because someone I followed recommended it. And I was like, cool, this like the front cover had like a car on it and it was terrible. Like it looked, but the the book makes so much sense in regards to they're talking about making millions now. It's like, there's no, re like you can't, you can make money quick. It's just, you can't do, f things are not easy. Do you know what I mean? So the whole book is like principles and stuff like that and how you can have a scalable business. So that's quite a good book. But most other books, they just get really dated. So if you wanted a book on sales and stuff like that, they'd be talking about f cold phone calls and stuff like that. So I don't, like the time a book's published, it's already out of date. Do you know what I mean? So I prefer to look at like online courses or even just like YouTube videos and actually just putting a year in as well. Like best such and such 2017, obviously 2018 now. So um, I think what you've got to do is be self-aware. Like me telling you books, I don't know where, what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Uh, me saying read doing a Facebook ad course might be terrible advice if you're a shit trainer. Because you just got clients and then you just highlight how poor your actual service is. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably say look at your strengths and weaknesses and then focus on um, stuff which is n relevant and new rather than dated stuff. But the date, you'll still get really old books. If a book's based on tactics, it's going to be out of date. If a book's based on principles, there's like principles time after time, years after year, where the principles stay exactly the same, but the tactics you use are going to be different. And what I mean by that is, even if you look at fitness as an example, like the principles of progressive overloads, specificity and stuff like that are always going to stay. But then whether you use a kettlebell to have a, create that overload, or whether you use just a barbell back in the day, like the, the, the tactic you use to achieve those principles are going to be different as times move on. And it's this whole thing of rather than phone calls now, traditional phone calls, it could be live streams being the same sort of concept or Snapchat videos and stuff like that. So you just, just moving with the times. Uh, and I don't, I, I really don't like giving advice on books and stuff because most of them are shit anyway.
Mm. Yeah, like if your built if your business is built on a trend, guess what? Trends come and go. So it's not a business. <laughs> not a long term thing. It's being it's being impatient with your daily actions in regards to what you do, but be patient in the results you get. Like things ha- like as you said, you can do this course, that course, but you can't like rush the years like things will happen the reason why and like the the more i'm sort of getting more success with sbs and obviously with the nova and stuff like that i speak to people and i communicate with people which are, are millionaires and i'm like when i when i was younger i thought they must have something special about them but then when i actually look at it, i'm like actually you're just 50 years of age and i'm only 31 so that that's another thing like time but anyone you look up into the industry who have like long-term success, they're not a 20 year old. Do you know what I mean? And people forget that. As you said, you just see the the event. You don't see what all of the, the stuff that's gone into it. I was re- reading a book the other day. What book am I reading at the moment? What they don't teach you at Harvard business school. Most of it weren't that good, but the end bit is pretty good. Cause it's talking about how to grow a business, how to run a business, um, and, and stuff like that. So there's some some good things there. I always like books which contradict the norm, because the majority are always wrong. Um, but so in the book, it was it was like so, someone said that to Picasso, whoever it was. It's probably totally wrong, but let's just say a well-known artist. And they said, "Can you do a, a drawing for me on a napkin?" And he's like, "And I, I'll pay whatever." So he spent like scribbled and put it down, and said ten grand. They said ten grand, but it only took you a couple of minutes. And he said, "No, it doesn't. It took me years and years of like owning my craft and getting the ability, so I can do that within a few minutes." And that's what people sort of forget. Just because it takes you less time now, because you've been doing it for years and years, they forget about all of the money and all of the time and all of the courses and all of the the stuff that you went through to be in the position you are today, to then be able to pass that information on. So I think we'll wrap that up there. Um, I know that was the second one that we've got. I mean, that mm-hmm. we've done, and it's the same podcast, but in in like a few months or whatever, if if you've got the time, I'd like to get you on again just to go over some other stuff, just because I think you, in terms of like the way you deliver um, information, uh, people mm-hmm. can relate to it quite well. So that's why. Cheers, buddy. That's quite different from the first one as well, I think. So, guys, thank you for listening, and always remember. Yeah, talk is cheap, motherfucker. It's cheap, motherfucker.